Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi, and welcome everyone to the Green Nurse Podcast. Thank you again for listening. And I think we have an episode that can really touch on a lot of different topics. And I think this is super important that we talk about probably one of the biggest issues that everybody is having right now is inflation. Oh my God, the price of everything is astronomical. And we as healthcare professionals, as nurses, we are feeling the pinch too. So I just want to let, first and foremost, before we even get into this episode to say, you are not alone feeling like this is crazy. Um, The prices of gas are at these unprecedented um, amounts that we haven't seen before. Groceries are a whole hot mess. And if you are trying to purchase a house, good luck to you. Live with your parents till you're 40 and then you can maybe move out and buy a townhouse for $900,000. Right, Sarah? I I agree. I think that unless you've been living under a rock or you have all your expenses paid for you, you are feeling it. And it's crazy because inflation has gone up. It's almost 7% now. So 6.8%, which is the highest it's been in the last 31 years. It doesn't show any sign of slowing down anytime soon. Um, Actually, I had a friend post up a picture of the gas prices from two years ago to now. Remember when it was really low and it was down to like 60 or 70 cents and now it's well (laughs) over $2? Like it's just been wild these past couple of years. And with everything that's happening with Russia and Ukraine, we're talking about like a possible wheat shortage. I even read recently that sriracha sauce might be I um, saw the sriracha might sauce be in thing. trouble because <laughs> there's like a chili shortage or something. And there's only so much you can stock up, right? So we have to start making these tough decisions about um, what we can spend our money on, what we're willing to cut back on, uh, all different sorts of challenging situations that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I I had done a a quick interview today with the CBC talking about, you know, the price of inflation. What does it mean for nursing? What does it mean for just everybody in healthcare? Or what does it mean for just the average Canadian or anybody just really around the world? And I mean, I even think about how my kids' lunches have changed over the past, you know, like year or so. And, you know, when 
because they my kids love grapes. So I'm like, oh, let's get them some grapes. And I remember being kind of like, oh, grapes are like $10.99. And I was like, that's really expensive for like a small bushel of grapes. And then just recently, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some grapes. Let's see how this is. And they went to weigh them and it was like $17. I was like, no, thanks. No grapes today. And that's crazy. I mean, how do like, at least I'd like to say that I think I'd be considered like mid, like our family combined would be like mid income earners. So if we're struggling to buy healthy foods, like what is it like for people who are part-time workers who don't have benefits, don't have full-time employment, might be making minimum wage, might be on, you know, Ontario disability, might be, you know, unemployed. Like how does, how can anybody live off one? So like ODSP is like $1,300 a month. That hasn't changed in many, many years. Or someone who's on like the CERB getting $2,000 a month, like, mortgage and rent is about that like how do people live this is insane well i think this is why we've seen an increased usage of food banks because people just what can you really do if your rent is your rent i mean you could look for a cheaper place but then is it going to be in the area you want are you going to be able to move like if you have things that you need to be close to like doctor's appointments or whatnot um i think it's a tricky situation like going to the food bank is an option eating less healthy foods that fill you up is another option. It's not the best option. It just sucks that healthy, fresh food always costs more. And I've dealt with the grape situation too. And we just haven't had grapes for a while. And I am always looking for sales. And I think it's the same as you. Like I'm fortunate to be able to have a little bit of buffer room, but I know that a lot of people don't. And, and even with the housing, like I'm seeing a lot of houses in our area go up for sale. And I'm thinking it's because people can't afford the mortgage with the increased um, interest rates. Yeah. I mean, that was a whole other thing that I saw, like that the Bank of Canada, that people that, you know, when you go to renew your mortgage, these interest rates are going to be ridiculously high. And they're saying that like minimum people might be paying like over 2000 plus for their mortgages. And I'm just, I kind of think to myself, you know, like, I'm glad we didn't buy a house above our means. Um, We kind of got in here before all this was happening. But a lot's not changing in terms of, you know, people's employments. Like, did your employment go up by six point whatever percent? No. Did my pay go up by six point whatever percent? No. And I mean, I think about nurses and I think about the fact that we're still crippled by this bill. We're still crippled by Bill 124. And, you know, how is it that nurses are at less than 1% still? It's it's crazy. And I mean, I don't want to be just harping on this because I know there's other people who who aren't making, you know, 30 plus dollars an hour for their jobs. And it, it still is really difficult when we have, I have to be honest, it's governments who are making policy decisions that actually end up crippling people. And I saw a TikTok and um, I was really like, I was, taken by it because it was this it was just this regular guy and he was just like you know it's really governments who put people in these situations he's like because these people aren't on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of their income or their earnings and essentially the people who suffer are racialized folks people who are who are disabled people who um you know make minimum wage people who are suffering from mental health and he's like 
what the government is saying is you don't deserve to live. And we don't want to pay for you to live. So it's easier for us to make these policy decisions to push you out versus then to make more universal decisions where we share, have, a, have a model of shared wealth to protect you because essentially some of these people are seen as worthless. And that's disgusting. I I remember watching just this week, it was there, they like, I guess there, there were called to the legislators. So like the various different political parties in our, in our government and uh, Jagmeet Singh was talking about food insecurity and the conservative governments were laughing, laughing. How could you laugh at people who are dying and going hungry? In, in a first world country where we're viewed we're viewed around the world as a first world country who, you know, everybody has enough to eat. We have um, universal health care. But let's just break that. That's not true. That's not true. There is so much to be said about improvements that could be made. And it's a huge stress. Like in your in your interview, um, they talked about financial stress as a huge stressor because, you know, it it eats away at your mental health. It's unrelenting. It's not like you can just snap your fingers and, you know, you don't have any more financial stress. It's something that's ongoing. It's really hard to get out of for various different reasons. And you lose a lot of sleep at night. Relationships break down over financial issues. This is not something that just affects one part of your life. It affects all parts of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think about, you know, let's say you you took a, a line of credit at the beginning of the the pandemic or whatever just to help you know, pay with, pay regular bills. And then you're, you know, you're not getting raises, whatever the case may be. And now you're, you're using your line of credit to pay back bills. And you're like, you know, you're, you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul. It's just, it's a vicious cycle. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, this financial strain, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And I think, I think that's actually like probably one of the biggest concerns that individuals have when it comes to finances, because obviously there, there should never be a situation where you have to decide whether you can provide food for your family or pay your rent. Like I, I never, I think why, why do we have policy decisions that put people in these types of positions? It's really, really disheartening. It's really, really, upsetting and i think that you know we have we have to work as a community to change this and i'm just really concerned that we're in the situation that we're in now right like we have another 4 years of the government that we have and you know people are just like well what could i have done differently I, you know nothing was going to change well you know this like this is what happens like this is some of the stuff that happens that now we really don't have much say in terms of how things happen and the only way now is through advocacy and putting huge amounts of pressure on our governments to make differences and i, I like the one thing that you said sarah where you're like you know we pride ourselves as a first world country I always think about that definition of where that that came from, right? It's like, okay, so who does who gets to decide whether a country is a first world or, you know, second world or developing country? And I think to myself, you know, for example, like Americans in America, they would consider themselves a first world country, but like they're the only country that has such high gun violence in schools. Mm -hmm. want to call yourself a first world country or for example Canada we call ourselves a first world country and we still don't have clean running water for indigenous communities 
So yeah, maybe we're first world country when it comes to people who are in positions of power and privilege who can say that they make up the to them the majority, which makes them feel that they can call themselves a first world country. But I feel like if we aren't helping communities, we aren't building communities, and it's only for the rich and it's all for people who have these capitalistic types of viewpoints, then I would not consider us to be first world countries at all. Right. It's it's a label. It's a reputation to have. Absolutely. But it definitely does not mean that things are right in this country or that there isn't room for improvement or that we're even better in some ways than countries that are developing. I think that when you're developing really fast, there's potential for innovation and doing things that haven't been done before. Um, so I think that, you know, in Canada, we we say that we have universal health care. But we've already talked about many times that it's not universal in the way that Americans think of universal. And I don't think we can finish this episode without talking about the retention bonus that Doug Ford <laughs> mentions all the time. When Whenever he's asked about what he's done for nurses, he always goes back to this one thing that he says he's done for us. And I said at the very beginning that it was going to be taxed heavily, and it is. So... So half of $5,000 is the first installment that some nurses received. And if you were full-time, you were entitled to $2,500. But I'm seeing nurses saying they got twelve dollars or $1,300 of it, which I expected. And when we're talking about inflation and all of that, that is probably like less, maybe that's 1%, maybe 2% of your salary. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> nurses just need fair wages and it's not just nurses like there are other there are other professions there are other people who who really deserve to have fair wages like i think the whole thing about minimum wage like we need to look at increasing what minimum wage is right now and i think i had been asked they're like what what do you think would help you right now and i was like you know Honestly, one of the things that I think would help a lot of Canadians and a lot of people who are dealing with inflation is, you know, loan forgiveness. I, I, I've been seeing some tweets that were coming out of the States of, you know, people who were having loans of $150,000 being wiped clean by Joe Biden. I was like, oh, my God, could you imagine what type of how, how much stress that would take off of a lot of individuals or even if we made like universities and colleges free? Like, like wh- in some why, other countries, why don't why do we have why do we have this monopoly? That's what it is on education, where only certain people who have the amount of income can actually attend schooling, post secondary education. It's crazy. And again, I think what when I think about also just you know the the fact that you talked about universal healthcare, we we can't. I know we've talked about it a, a million times, and maybe I'm sorry, guys, if you feel like we're talking about it too much, but we have to talk about it. We have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about the fact that it still isn't considered. How how can we say that we have universal healthcare? Everything's great here in Canada. We have OHIP. We have this great system that you know. You break your leg, you can, you, you know, you go swipe your card, you get all the treatment, you break your brain, you're fucked. Like you are like absolutely screwed. You just, okay, yeah, you need help. Okay, join this wait list for another eight months. And then maybe in the meantime, you can go use your EAP that'll run out in about three weeks. And then you can go see a private healthcare person that will charge you upwards of $220 plus every single visit. Who can afford mental health care in Canada? Right. And if you broke your leg, 
Would somebody tell you, oh, just go to work, just walk on it, you'll be fine? Yeah, just walk it off, walk it off. Like it's fine. If you if you no. ignore it, it'll be fine. It's like no, it won't. It actually makes it worse. That's the same thing with mental health. And after this pandemic, the stats that we've been seeing in terms of anxiety, depression for nurses. I mean, I'd be surprised if I met any nurse who hasn't had that or some form of PTSD over the past two and a half years. And yet literally nothing has changed with the supports available to nurses. Nothing. And that is super stressful to me. Like, I mean, the other piece that I talked about today was the fact that could you imagine being in a place where you're just like, I would rather like there's nothing, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe maybe you do have an ailment. Maybe you do have a, a medical condition. But the fact that you could say, you know, or or maybe you don't have housing or whatever the case may be, but to choose to say, you know what, I would rather choose death than to continue in this situation. I, I don't, I'm not getting support from housing. I'm not getting income subsidies. I'm not getting support for food insecurities. I'd rather be dead. And the government be like, check mark fine that's okay we'll help you with that it's so sad it's so sad because i almost think they want to do that because you'll no longer cost the government anything if you're dead it's you know like i mean it's a whole other episode like we have to talk about it at some point in, in time but the fact that like it, it's a huge huge concern of mine we have to have the conversation about medical assistance in dying because I personally think, one, it is a very important thing that we do have here. But I also am very concerned about this these types of scenarios. I never think in my mind in this, in this day in life that someone could just choose to die because they don't have these things that we can provide support with, for. Like, yeah, I'm, we I'm have really the ability to do it. Yeah. So there's already so much there's already so much stigma around made and I'm really concerned about it being used for the wrong reasons. And just what am I trying to say? I'm I'm concerned about it being used for the wrong reasons and then the people that actually do need made may not receive it because of what's happening. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, like I mean, I just I just can't I don't feel good about the fact that someone can say, you know, I don't have, I don't have food security. I don't have housing security. I don't have income security. So I'd rather just be dead. Like it just, it rubs me the wrong way that I feel like we're failing these individuals, like hugely failing these individuals. If they feel that the only way to deal with their situation is is medical assistance and dying and that is like as a, as a society we should be appalled we should be like shocked it, i don't understand how anyone could be like yeah okay that 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 meets the criteria it's like no what meets the criteria means that we need to ante up in terms of our our social supports like one of the things that the another thing that jagmeet singh said was like he he talked about you know taxing the rich if we have the ability to share wealth why not and, you know, I just want to clarify, when we're talking about MAID, we're talking about people that have pre-existing health conditions, such as long COVID or multiple chemical sensitivities that, so in addition to their financial struggles, they feel that they're not getting any better because of, you know, long COVID, they are just lying in bed all day, they can't do anything. Or with long COVID, there's really 
there's no reprieve and they can't get the assistance that they need. So they'd rather choose death. So I don't know. That just makes me so sad. It makes me so cynical about the world too and what's happening. This is where one of the things I said was, and I, and I think I think this is true. You know, we talk about marginalized people or vulnerable people or vulnerable populations, or you know, even we say like equity deserving or equity seeking groups. And I think about I think about how do people get to these situations? Like you you're you don't you don't just like wake up one day and then you're you're poor, or you wake up one day and you know you're you're just in this. There are multiple systems, multiple different things at play that put people in these situations. There are policies that keep people being poor. And these are the things that we need to like attack and dismantle and act on because these various policies are the the same things that are driving people to make these types of decisions, right? And I mean, not not all people are going to say, "Okay, I want to choose maids." Some people will just actually, you know, do things that they might not or they shouldn't do, right? And I think this is like who else can we you point the finger at? Like you have to look at what are the systems and structures in place that are causing these inequities. And you have to look at government policies. You have to look at how how better can we, like we can do so much better. We're just not doing it. And that's what I find the most concerning. And we have another four years where the government feels the most important thing at this time is to build a friggin' highway. Right. Like the priorities for me are just, it's just whack. Like, I'll be honest, I went out and vote. I did what I felt that I needed to do. Um, I know that people didn't want to vote. I know, I, I understand and I empathize with those feelings, but I, I'm really concerned here that we have leadership that has a very different agenda than the majority of Canadians. And yes, they might have received a majority government off of the worst voter turnout ever. Right. There is so much that you can do. One of the simplest things you can do is vote. That is something that you should be exercising every single day. There are so many countries in this world that don't have a democracy and so many people that are not in a position to vote. They're not citizens, you know, they're refugees. And it's it's your responsibility to vote and know what the issues are and, you know, educate yourself and don't think that your vote doesn't make a difference. There were so many uh, ridings where it was so close and every vote makes a difference. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Sarah. And I mean, I know that people had their various different reasons. People were saying, oh, I wasn't happy with this person. I wasn't happy with this person. No one was inspiring. Okay, well, you know what? We got four years. If you found none of them expire- inspiring, then maybe you should run. <laughs> like maybe, maybe we get other people out there, younger people. We get people who are involved in various different, not even just young, but like people who are involved in various different aspects and get people who are passionate about their causes to get out there and run because we can't sit back and be complacent when we know that vulnerable people, or I should say people who are put in vulnerable situations are at risk. Like we have to do something radically different because now we're at the point where we have to advocate. We have to, we have to provide some form of action. So backing our words up by, you know, whether it's protesting, whether it's calling, calling to action or calling people out to say, here's what's happening. 
but we have to do something. And I think the the one thing that I also want to say and stress is the importance of seeking help. I mean, this is probably, you know, as things are, as the numbers continue to, to decrease with COVID-19, not saying that COVID is over because it's not over, but as things start to shift, there's other concerns that people are going to continue to have. Like COVID's always going to be there. I think that's neither here nor there. But the inflation, the concern about housing, the concern about food, the concern about income and mental health, like I feel like those are like huge, huge things that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to. And I and I urge you, anybody out there that's listening, if you need help, please, please reach out. You're not alone. We're all in this crazy ass shit together. And I don't want you to feel like, you know, it's just you who's having a hard time buying groceries. It's just you who, you know, can't really afford to get in to work to pay for your, or you can't pay for your gas. It's not just you who's feeling like the world is crushing and coming down on you. Please, please reach out to a friend, a family member, your family doctor, whomever you feel that you can trust to say, I'm not okay and I need help. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are better days coming and there are people out there who love you and care about you. And it's it's hard to see that sometimes, but, you know, you need to you need to get the help that you need. Yeah. And I mean, I think the the biggest fear is that no one will help or no one will support or someone might think you're crazy or weird or whatever the case may be. And I can tell you that that's not the case. Overwhelmingly, people will be like, oh, I didn't recognize. I didn't know. What can I do? And I mean, the first step is just re- reaching out and saying that you need help. So if you are in that situation, please, please reach out to someone. And the other thing I think that we have to do, have to mention is just talking about advocacy. We have to continue to raise our voices here. Like we can't just be like, oh yeah, inflation that, is that bad. <laughs> There's nothing we could do about it. Yeah, well, when you have to go back to work five days a week because your employer suddenly is like, oh, I don't want you to work from home and now you can't get there because you can't afford it. That's why we need to continue to rally our voices. We need to continue to rally our voices because it's not sustainable. Like, I mean, like I said, we're, we're middle uh, income earners and we're finding it difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people won't want you to raise your voice, but that's all the more reason to do so. Because honestly, at the end of the day, if you don't advocate for yourself, if we don't advocate for nursing as a profession, who's going to do it? We've given, we've been, you know, giving other organizations ample time to do so. We haven't seen the action that we're looking for and we have to take it on ourselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, pff, I'm done waiting for people now. <laughs> like I'm, I, I think we've already kind of, we've already, you know, you, you can, you can see, but what's that saying? I think the saying is, you know them by their actions, right? So Lots of people talk big game, but are they out there doing the work, saying doing what they need to do? If they're not doing it, then you know the talk is cheap. So watch what people do, not what they say. Absolutely. And, and you know, yeah, you might need to be a part of that. Like you might need to join an interest group. You might need to join uh, a group that's providing action and actually putting in the work and, you know, being boots on the ground to make these changes. Because I think that that piece is 
is actually quite rewarding. Like I never really thought to myself that, you know, getting out there, joining a march, like I, I was, I, I used to be hesitant too. I'd be like, oh God, I can't, that can't be me. Yeah, it can be you. It could be, it could absolutely be you. So if the, if the, if these things mean a lot to you, please get out there. And there's so many organizations that are doing great stuff. We'll probably drop some in our links and, and join them and see how you can help support. And then, you know, if you have the, the ability um, to, to donate to a food bank, to, to drop some food off, to, to drop clothing off at, you know, um, organizations that, you know, aren't going to charge people a gazillion dollars to give, <laughs> give their, give clothing back. Do that. Please donate, donate your time, donate your resources, go out, show, show some support for your community members. And, and it's so important to get out there and build community because as we talked about with mental health, with advocacy, you're not alone. There are so many people out there doing what you're already doing. So just join in there. Find your community. Um, raise each other up. This is what we're all about. And if you are advocating for something and you don't see anybody else doing it, then you can be the first and get people behind you as well and start a movement. I wholeheartedly agree, Sarah. So I think we all have a part to play. We all have a role. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't see our neighbors, our friends, our family, uh, people we care about go hungry, not have a home, not have that support. So if you can do something, you could show up, please do. And then again, at the end of the day, if you need help, please reach out because we're more than happy to help. And you know, people are out there willing to support you and, and, and care for Amy you as well. And I can do this advocacy work, you can do it too. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> Hold, what, 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 what did, uh, oh my gosh. Samuel what L. Was Jackson? What's his name? Oh my right. gosh. Why am I? What? No, uh, no, it's, um, oh, from Breaking Bad. Is it the Walter White guy? Yes. So, so just as Walter White says, Heisenberg. You're damn right. Heisenberg. I didn't know you watched that show. That's my one of my favorite shows of all time. 